preach for us this morning. Is that right? No? <clears throat> I, I've had, I don't know, six, seven, eight people ask me this morning, are you ready to go? And, and I've said to each one of them, I hope so, because if I'm not, we're in trouble. Uh, and then, uh, so I was back in the foyer talking to Paul and a couple of the other guys and uh, just said, hey, I'll, I'll let you preach if you want to. And he said, yeah, I'll do it. I went, you better be careful what you ask for. Um, I might have already shared this story, I'm not sure. I was in college and uh, Sandra was playing the piano at a church while we were in college on, on Sundays and uh, I went to visit one Sunday night and uh, the pastor got in the pulpit that night and he said, uh, folks, we got a visitor tonight and uh, I think I'm going to let him preach for us. True story. No warning, no heads up, no nothing. He walks down, looks at me, and wanted me to preach. Anybody want to do that today? <laughs> I had to preach. I mean, I just, you know, it wasn't, I couldn't get out of it. So uh, always have one in your hip pocket, all right? Always have something in your hip pocket ready to shoot when, when called on the fire. So uh, I did that. I wouldn't, I, and I said from that day forward, I will never, ever, ever do that to anybody. Um, but anyway, uh, I, it is what it is, and, and I'm here now, and uh, look forward the oppor- to the opportunity. Always look forward to, to being able to share with, with you all. And um, can't promise it every single time, but the best of my ability, I always try to provide something for you to write notes down in. Some of you like it, some of you hate it. Uh, for those of you that hate it, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just the way that I'm wired, all right? Uh, but it gives you some framework uh, to do with it what you choose to do with it, okay? You can write notes today. You can take home, study it later, however you want to, to, to use this. Uh, but this word continued to, to just resound with me over the last couple of weeks as Kenny asked me to, to preach uh, in his absence. And it's this word resolve, uh, as you see at the very top. And we're going to get into the scripture here in just a minute in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, and, and the word, that, that our key word today, uh, is, might be a little bit different. Depends on the version uh, that you have uh, with you this morning. Uh, but our word this morning is going to be resolve. And we're going to talk about that uh, as we continue to live uh, in a world, as you see at the very top, that is saturated with gray areas. Right? Paul is going to give us some guidance here in 1 Corinthians on how to live with resolve in a conforming world, in a trying world, right? Uh, we were talking in Sunday school this morning, and, and I made the comment, I wish I were born in the early 1900s, because I'm a simple guy. Paul was a simple guy. And Sandra said, no, you're more the Andy Griffith era. And that's, that's true. Like, I, I love me some Andy Griffith, and, and I, I'm just, I'm a simple guy, um, I wish I could go back into those days uh, and, and live in those days, but I can't. That's not the era that I was born in. Um, that's not the time that I was born in, and, and I'm born for, for this time and this era. Uh, and God has me here for a purpose and a place just as he has you here for a purpose and a place. So we're going to start reading this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 31, and read all the way through chapter 2, verse 5. I'm reading from the Holman Christian, 
standard Bible. That's going to be a little bit different than yours, maybe, but just uh, follow along with me. Uh, and if you don't have Word of God with you, it's up on the screen for you, all right? Chapter 1, verse 31, 1 Corinthians. In order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. For I resolved or determined or decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Verse 5, so that, you, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for the time, the place, and the opportunity. As we open up your word and begin to, to dive into it, Lord, we, we seek uh, your spirit, Lord, to, to search our hearts. Father, that, that you would, would speak to us in ways that only you can. Lord, that you would encourage, that you would convict, and you would challenge our hearts this morning. God, may I say nothing out of your will. May everything that is said and done behind this pulpit this morning be for your honor and your glory, pointing us all in Christ's direction, leading us into a week of unknowns, but holding on to the promise that you are who you say you are. Lord, we love you. We praise you this morning. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So resolve, right? Other words for resolve are perseverance, persistence, tenacity, confidence, backbone, fortitude, grit. You know, if, uh, if, if my parents were here, <clears throat> um, there, there's a story of my childhood. It would have happened in 1989. I would have been five years old at the time. Um, as, a, as a young fellow, I, I was a handful. Um, I fought my mom on the first day of kindergarten because I wanted to wear cowboy boots, shorts, no shirt, and my cowboy hat to school. Um, I, I was... I mean, I just held my own. I grew, I have two older brothers that are seven years older than me. And any of you that are younger, you know what that's like. You just, you got to hold your ground, right? Um, I've chased them around the house with a bullwhip. Um, I've pulled their pants down in roses. I mean, just, you know, I did what I had to do, right? Well, at five years old, um, one of my brothers had a friend over and they were watching cartoons. We had the old box TV, you know, you had to walk up to it, change the channel, and um, it's just what you did on Saturday mornings. You just watched cartoons, right? And so I'm laying in the floor watching cartoons. My brother and his friend, they come in, and I get up to do something, 
um, and come back and my, my brother's friend had gotten my pillow that I was laying on. My parents, I don't remember all the details. <clears throat> my parents said that without hesitation, I, I disappeared. I went outside, not thinking anything of it. My parents just went about their, you know, whatever they were doing. I went outside and grabbed a claw hammer. I came back inside, walked up to my brother's friend and hit him in the center of his head. Laid him out cold like that. My mom and daddy said I laid the hammer down, grabbed my pillow and went back to doing what I was doing. Now, I got wore out for that little episode. I mean, slap, wore out. You know, my daddy spanked me. He spanked me. It was no joke. I had some grit about me, right? I had some resolve, and that's what Paul is talking about here in this letter. Um, so as we begin to, to break down this scripture and, and we begin to talk about how do we live in a world today that, that has this, this, this gray area more than ever today, we're seeing more things that, that we know which is true in Scripture. The world is trying to paint it with a broad stroke of gray to where it's no longer black and white, but it's this gray area. And Paul begins to unpack for us in this Scripture that this, this idea that, that is truth, that there is no gray area when it comes to the gospel. And so, who wrote this book, 1 Corinthians? Paul. Paul wrote this book, and I think it's always important as we begin to study a book of the Bible or any scripture, we need to know who wrote it, when was it written, and why was it written. That's always ultra important. So, who wrote it? Paul wrote it. Who was it written to? It was written to the church in Corinth, or the Christians in Corinth, about two or three years after Paul started the church or planted the church there in Corinth. Two or three years after he left, he wrote this letter back to them. Why did he write the letter? Well, they needed some straightforward advice. They needed some shepherding, if you will. They needed some practical life uh, uh, advice on, on how to live as a Christian in, in the world that they were in, Right? But as I was reading and studying, what, what I came to was, was this, this idea that, that the main reason why Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth or the Christians in Corinth was because they needed some restoration. They needed uh, some balance in the church. Just in two or three years, the balance within the church had gotten off. Paul had gotten word. He was concerned he was worried, and so he wrote this letter to them to restore that balance in the church. And so what I want to do this morning is I just simply want to walk through these five or six verses of Scripture with you, share some insight, share some thought in God's Word, and we'll land the plane and uh, get out of here. Verse 31, he writes, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast 
in the Lord. The, the, verse, the Old Testament verse that he's referencing there is Jeremiah 9, 24. The word boast means to, to talk with excessive pride, right? Excessive pride. Well, you've got to go back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to 24 and 25, and those two verses will humble you just a little bit. Because it says, Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Watch 25. Because God's foolishness is wiser than, hum- than, than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human's strength. Boy, that'll humble you right there. So who should we boast in? Christ. Because our wisdom and our strength is nothing compared to God. Even in his weakest, right? Scripture says that it's still stronger. So our our boastfulness, our, our talking with excessive pride means nothing. That'll humble you when you really think about it. Then in verse 1 of chapter 2, when I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. You know, I had this thought, and I say it often. Sandra could tell you I say this a lot. Don't make it more than it needs to be. I probably say that way too much. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I don't, I don't get uh, excited a whole lot, right? I don't get worried or flustered a whole lot. And I say if I do, then it's time for, for others to get worried or concerned. But I think when it comes to the gospel, a lot of times we make it more than it needs to be or more than it should be. And here's, here's what I mean by that, because as I read uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1, Paul, Paul's saying, listen, I, I come to you with, with this, this brilliant speech or this, this magnificent wisdom that just blew you away. And he begins to tell us later on in, in the verses how it came about, right? But Paul, just plain and simple, said, look, here's the gospel. The birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. There you go. Well, we could close our Bibles right now and go home, right? That's the pure and simple gospel of Christ. But not only should we talk about it, not only should we share it verbally, but our lives should be a reflection of Christ, and that's what Paul is getting into. So in verse 2, he says this, and this has our key word in it. For I resolved, or I determined, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I, I just, I wonder today, what kind of declaration do you need to make? What kind of resolve do we need in our lives? What kind of stance do you need to make this week. Not only this week, but today. What kind of stance do you need to make? It's sad, but, but I, I see resolve within the church being watered down. 
I see the resolve in churches today being painted over with a gray paintbrush. That churches today and men standing in the pulpits today aren't preaching the true gospel. Our, our youth were going through uh, an application that, that is required for us to go and serve at the Creation Museum. And there's 16 questions on this application. And it's basic Christian foundation questions, right? In short, it's why you believe what you believe. And one of the very first questions is, how do I know if I'm going to heaven? And so, I do like every smart guy. I Google it, right? No, I'm kidding. I, I did Google because I wanted to do some research. I wanted to know what's out there. And did, did you know I found in, in my research that, that there are actually evangelical churches preaching that there are more ways than one to get to heaven? Tell me that's not painting it over with a gray brush. Tell me that that's not creating a gray area. When I read through Scripture, there is no gray area when it comes to the gospel. And Paul is saying two or three years later after the church has been planted and started, that guess what? There is still no gray area in the church. When he came to them, he came to them, Christ crucified, and that is it. Nothing else, nothing more than Christ crucified. I just wonder today, church, what kind of resolve, what kind of declaration, what kind of decision do we need to make today? To make sure that our family, to make sure that our co-workers to make sure that this community knows where we stand. And that when they see our lives, not us just talking about it, but living it out, they see Christ and Christ alone. That's what Paul is getting to. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Paul is very transparent here. And the fact that he's just simply saying, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being persecuted. I'm being criticized. I'm under fire right now. Well, we can all attest to that, right? And let me just say this, and we'll move to verse 4. Miss Lynn told me this a long, long, long time ago. When I, got, when I first started in youth ministry and I got my first unsigned letter, my first and only unsigned letter, take you right back to the spot that I was standing. Should have never opened it, should have just trashed it, but I opened it just out of curiosity. I was broken. I was broken. So I was being attacked. And I, I called Kenny and Lynn, and what do I do? I'll never forget what she told me. She told me, she said, Mac, 
If you weren't doing something right, Satan wouldn't be attacking you. Well, that's some words to live by right there. You know you're doing right when Satan's not happy. If Satan's not attacking you, might be time to check up just a little bit. Let's move on to verse 4. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words or wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and power. You know, Paul was a very smart guy. We know that. Incredibly, incredibly smart guy. He's well-versed in Scripture. But that wasn't what was important. What was important is that when he stood up and he spoke, when he proclaimed the gospel, that it was the Spirit that flowed through him. And nothing else but the Spirit that flowed through him. I guess I need to be careful how I say this, because there are some on TV that are good. But there are others that hold this pulpit hostage for their own opinion, for their own pride. And Paul is simply saying, listen, it's, it's not about persuasive words. It's not about this elaborate wisdom. It's simply Christ crucified. That's it. And Christ alone. Then in verse 5, he says, So that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And I wrote in my notes, be careful, exclamation point. Be careful. Don't believe something just because I say it or some other preacher or pastor says it. To the best of my ability, I'm never going to steer you in the wrong direction. And I don't believe Kenny would either. But don't believe it just because we say it. Find out for yourself. Search and dig and wrestle with God's word for yourself. The gospel is not some sales pitch. It's a life transformation. He says that so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom but on God's power. I say this to our students all the time. If I can talk you into something, I can just as easily talk you out of it. Don't believe it just because I say it. Find out for yourself in God's word, through God's word, for yourself. Now, some practical application, and we're going to land the plane and finish up this morning some practical application how can you and I live with resolve today how can you and I draw the line in the sand right say here is my stance here are four things that I wrote down for you today number one is be humble I think we see that in the, the, the verses of scripture that we studied and looked at this morning Number one is just simply be humble. Number two is understand yourself. Be you. Or simply put, number two is just be you. Number three, probably the most important, 
Just hide behind the cross. Hide behind the cross. Nothing we ever do should be within our own power. But it should be through the Spirit flowing through us. The hide behind the cross. And then the fourth one I said just a minute ago. Something very practical. That if I or if anyone can talk you into something, I or that individual can talk you out of it. If I can talk you into something, I can talk you out of it. And I think that's some very practical application to living in a world today where Christians need to have more resolve. Like some biblical examples, Abraham and Isaac in Genesis. Abraham had resolve about him. David and Goliath, right, in 1 Samuel 17. There was some resolve there in David's life. What about Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar? There was some resolve in his life. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 10, where he prayed for the sun to stand still so that they could have victory over Gibeon. And it did for a solid day. That was some resolve, right? That was a declaration. And none of these men, none of these men did anything out of their own power. But it was through the power of God. Then I think the greatest story of all as we wrap up of resolve, as you guessed it, Christ. Right? The greatest story of resolve that we have is that in the person of Christ. And the fact that he chose to come to this earth to be born of a virgin, to walk, to live, to breathe, to rub shoulders with men and women on this earth for 33 years, only to give it up, to face undeserved persecution, to be spit on, to be mocked, to be laughed at, to be beaten and then laid on a cross where he would die for you and for me a death that he did not deserve but it was a resolve from long ago it was a declaration it was determination from long ago God had this incredible plan to redeem his people through the person of Christ. And guess what? We get to be a part of that plan. So I'm going to ask you again as we close, what kind of declaration do you need to make this morning? Maybe it's a declaration that you need to follow Christ for the first time. You've never made that commitment before but the Holy Spirit has impressed upon your heart that you need to make that decision today. Maybe it's you made that decision long ago and you need to get back. And you want to come back and walk with Jesus more closely. Or maybe it's a declaration that that you want to pray for somebody that doesn't know Jesus and you want to be more of an example for that individual to come to know Jesus.
What kind of declaration, what kind of resolve do you need today? Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the time and again for the opportunity to be able to open up your word and and to be challenged, uh, encouraged, and, and even convicted as I've been convicted this week. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would walk the aisles this morning. And that you would just impress upon hearts. If it's salvation that they need, that nothing would hold them back. And if they're settled in their heart and they know that they know that they know they're yours and God I pray that you put somebody on their heart that needs Jesus in their life and that they would resolve today that they would determine today to pray for that individual every single day and not only that but every opportunity that they get God that they would be a Christ-like example for them So God, have your way this morning. Let your spirit move. I pray that we'd be obedient to the movement of your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.